You know, for the past three weeks, we were really blessed to hear Pastor Kim, Paul Kim, uh, preach to us. And, you know, that guy is such a wonderful and intelligent, insightful speaker. I'm just sitting there taking all of these notes. And I didn't realize that as I'm going through these notes, I said, man, there's like two to three sermons in each one of the sermons that he preached. And there was a lot of stuff. And so what I'm going to try to do this week is maybe unpack just a little bit of, you know, what he said for us. Um, because, like I said, it was a lot of great things that he said. And remember, um, he came to us and he was talking about, he showed us that map. And where he says, you are here, right? And this is where you want to go. And he said there are three kind of stages or places we could be. And the first one, is he says, we're in the clueless stage or place where you know where you are, but you don't know where you need to go. Have you ever been there? You kind of know where you are, but it's like, gosh, where do I go from here? And he said, you're clueless. You don't have a destination. You're wandering about. You're drifting, you know, on the tides because you really don't have a destination. Or he said, another stage is you're stuck. And he said, this is where you have a destination. You know where you want to go, but you don't know how to get there. And finally, he said there's another stage, and that's where you're lost. And where he said, you have the destination, but you don't know where you are. So there's no reference point to get you to where you want to go. And I think a lot of us live in, you know, these three stages. You know, a lot of times we may not have that destination or know how to get there, because they were saying that only 3% of Americans have goals for their lives. Okay. I'm one of the 97% that lives by the seat of my pants. And I've always, you know, lived life that way where, you know, that's just the way I, I function. Um, I had to marry somebody who's grounded and uh, tells me, okay, this is where we need to go. But for me, that's not how, I've never been that goal-oriented guy. And so a lot of times when we take a look at our destination, if we don't have a destination, you know, how do we get there? How do we know what we're supposed to be? Especially when it comes to our Christian life. You know, what is our destination? Because if we don't have that, we don't know where we're going to be going. We don't have any clue, am I getting closer? And am I improving? And am I becoming the person that God wants to be? Well, basically what we're going to talk about today is our destination is to become mature disciples of Jesus Christ. To be mature disciples of Jesus Christ. And because a lot of us, when we think of growth, we think of our personal growth. When we really didn't need to think about it, right? We go and we eat things and next thing you know, we knew, we see pictures of us when we were a little baby and now we look at us and we go, oh, we're adults. What did we do to grow? Nothing. And a lot of times we take a look at that, our own biological growth process, and we kind of say, well, this is how, this is the approach that I'm going to take to my spiritual process. Yeah, I don't know how it works, but, you know, somehow it's just going to happen. But the problem is, you know, and, you know, when I talk to my son, and he looks at my picture when I was in high school, and he can't believe that was me. You know, I said I was 5'7", and I was 135. But yes, I did grow. But the problem is, if you don't watch how you grow, you end up looking like this. 
you know. And, and so one of the things I keep telling him, and I've told you before, and Dallas Willard says this, is we all are being discipled. Did you know that? Each one of you are being discipled. Every single day, you're being discipled. You go, well, no, I'm not. I go, yes, you are. You're either being discipled by Jesus Christ, or you're being discipled by the world, or the people around you, your peers, our culture. Each one of you are being discipled, and you're growing. And the problem is, if we're not intentional about you know, who we're being discipled by, we end up becoming, looking like those who discipled us. And so if you have your Bibles today, we're going to go through a certain process that I see outlined in uh, 1 John. So we're going to take a look at 1 John, starting uh, from chapter 2, starting with verse 12. Okay? And he says, I am writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. Now when you take a look at I'm writing to you, dear children, you know, John's not writing to little children. You know, as he's addressing his church, you know, he addresses them as my children. And so when he's taking a more of a father approach, to love them as a father would love them. And so when he says children, we're talking more about a spiritual stage here. And he says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. And so what he was saying as spiritual children, as we come to know the faith in Jesus Christ, we come to understand that the starting point is understanding that we're sinners and that we need a Savior and that Christ died on the cross for our sins and our sins are forgiven. You know, these are one of the things that, you know, are, are basics to the faith. And so if you're at that childhood stage of your faith, the early part of the faith, your faith, this is how you see the faith right now. It's, okay, my sins are forgiven. And one of the things that we're going to be doing um, this year to help people move from, if you're in that stage or you want to know a little bit more about our faith, we're going to be starting this Alpha Course. And it's going to be, it, it's a course on the basics of Christianity. Now, I know a lot of you are going to say, oh, I'm further along than that. But you could always learn something. It's interesting, one of the things that I've, you know, when I talk to people, they they always like embarrassed to go to that class. Because, you know, the things that are taught are things that they want to know. And they know that they need to, you know, improve on. But it's like, man, what would those people think? I've been, you know, a believer for a long time. But we're going to be offering that class, so don't be embarrassed. You know, it'll be a great class for you to learn more about your faith. It's going to be taught by Chris Rapp. Chris, could you kind of stand up right there? And so he's going to be teaching the class. Now, we're trying to figure out what day to have this class. So if you could talk to Chris afterwards and tell him what's the uh, best day for you to have that. And then, he'd love, then we'll um, schedule the class around the majority. But our sins are forgiven. You know, And so we get that. We go, ooh, I love that, God. That means everything I've done, you've forgiven. But as we mature, God doesn't want us to stay there. Because what does he tell us? He goes, well, it's not just about you and having your sins forgiven. It's about us, me, you, being able to forgive others. And it's in the Lord's Prayer we pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Have you ever really thought about just that line? Chris, I know you have because you taught this in your class. But forgive us our sins as we forgive 
you know, those who sin against us. What we are asking God is, God, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive others. That's what we're asking God. And so what we're saying here is, if we don't forgive others, God doesn't forgive us. Right? Now, we know that God forgives us all of our sins, but what we're talking about here, if we don't forgive other people, then what God says is there's a fracture in our relationship. And until you forgive that other person, there is going to be that tension. You are not going to be experiencing, you know, my power in your life. You need to at least be on that process where you're forgiving others. And that could be hard. You know, because some of us, you know, when people do things to us that are wrong, the hardest thing that we want to do is to forgive them. But the only way out of that is to forgive them. But the starting point is to realize that we've been forgiven much, so then we could um, forgive others. And he goes on to say in verse 13, it says, I am writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young man, because you have overcome the evil one. So when he says, I'm writing to you fathers, it's not writing, he's not literally saying, I'm writing to you, just a dad's here. I'm writing to all of those who are mature. And this is what it means to be mature, is that you know him who is from the beginning. That through your experience, through reading Scripture and discovering who God's revealed about Himself in Scripture, by obeying Him throughout your life, you come to know this God who is the creator of the universe. And you come to realize that my role is to worship Him, my role is to obey Him, my role is to honor Him, and my role is to put my needs in back of what he wants for us. That we know God. That God is not just this genie in the sky that whenever trouble hits us, we need to tell God, I'm in trouble, help me. No, it's just this really deep understanding of God, that God has everything in control, that there's this God who's outside of time, who's already seen the future, who's already, you know, we're going through our problems right now, but we worship a God who's already seen the outcome, and that outcome is going to be, that's good, that's going to come out of that outcome. It's those people who understand that, whose faith is not shaken, because they know God. They don't know just about God. They know God. They don't know all about God, but they know God. And it says, I am writing to you young men, teenagers, because you have overcome the evil one. You understand the devil's schemes. Remember Pastor Paul was talking about our creative design versus our constructive design? Where he was saying our creative design is who God meant us to be. You know, it says that God, when God knitted us in our mother's womb, God was just pouring gifts into our life. He was pouring talents into our lives. And he was just saying, oh, I want Dave to become this. I want Dave to become that. And in order for him to do this, I need to give him these talents. I need to give him these skills. I need to give him these gifts. And God made each one of us unique. And so what Pastor Paul was saying is we need to live out of our uniqueness. But what happens? What happens? 
A lot of times we live with our constructive self, and that's our self in relationship to something else. Meaning, remember when Pastor asked, who are you? How would you answer that question? Who are you? Well, I'm a father. Well, that's in relationship to me having a son. I'm a student. Well, that's in relationship to me, you know, being enrolled in a certain college. You know, I'm a supervisor, I'm this and that. Well, that's not who you are, that's what you do. And so, so many times we take a look at this world, and we say, this is the world says we should be. In order for me to gain respect, in order for me to be esteemed, I have to have these qualities. And so what we do is, you know, when he was saying, they're like barnacles on a ship. They start attaching ourselves, right? Remember he said that? And so what um, he was saying here is that, or what John's saying here is, you know, as we mature in Christ, we see the schemes of the devil who tells us you're not good enough the way you, God created you. Or he might say, you know what, you are good enough the way God created you. You're wonderful. You're just lacking this. Maybe if you... Um, had this position instead of the position you have right now. That would even make things better. And so he subtly, subtly plants these barnacles on us to say we need to be better, we need to be more than God wants us to be. In order for us to be a better father, in order for us to be a better provider, in order for us, for whatever it is, he asks us to be more. That being, our, being who we are in God's design wasn't good enough. But what John is saying here is that you have overcome that. And finally, he goes on to reiterate that. He goes, I write to in verse um, 14, I write to you, dear children, once again, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. So he's saying, you know, children, I'm writing to this because you know Daddy. You know the Father. Before, maybe God was this being that was far off. But now you know him as Father. Now, you may not know him completely as the Father that he is, meaning we, a lot of times we'll see God as a Father that, hey, God, could you give me this? God, you could give me this. God, I need this. Dad, I need this. Da, 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 da. Could I have money to go see the movies? I want to go out here. Could I have money to go out and eat? Could I have money for this and that? And then, of course, out comes a wallet and, you know, we give them. And so a lot of us might see God the Father as that. But at least we start to see that God is a God of, that he's our Father. That it's about a relationship, right? That God is not this far off God. But he says, I am writing to um, you fathers once again, because you know him um, who is from the beginning. And then finally he says, I write to you young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Okay? And so he tells about the different stages of different people in the spiritual journey. And once again, the mature people always know God for who he is. You know, it's, remember, you know, Pastor Paul was saying that God asked a life for a life. That he gave his son Jesus Christ for us. But in return, what does he want? He said he wants our life. 
You know, God can't be swindled. God gave us 100%. And we can't bargain to God and say, you know what, God? You gave me 100%, but can I give you 10%? Remember the rich young ruler? The rich young ruler. He comes to Jesus and says, how do I get salvation? And what, Jesus, what does Jesus tell him? Sell all your belongings, give to the poor, and follow me. Follow me. Jesus wants 100%. Because he knew that one person's heart. He knew that rich young ruler's heart was geared more or aligned more towards the material things than the spiritual. And that's why he picked that. But those who know God from the beginning understand that, God, if you want my possessions, they're yours. I'll give it to you. God, if you want me to leave where I'm at right now and go somewhere else, I'm going to go there. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do it because I trust you that your will for me is perfect. And I have faith in you that whatever you want, I'll do. And these are the times when we have to make these difficult decisions. You know, a lot of times when we make decisions, and you know, even when it says, yeah, young man, it says, because you are, it says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you. See, even in these, these teenagers, he's saying, I'm writing you this because you are not just hearers of the word, that you are doers of the word. You, ex- you are able to distinguish what is good from evil. But I think a lot of us in our culture are able, for the most part, to distinguish right and wrong. But a lot of times what we have problems with is distinguishing what is good and what is better. And a lot of times we settle for what is good. When God says, I've got something better for you, but the only thing is you don't have enough courage and faith to trust me in this area. And even remember Mary and Martha... Jesus was coming to the house, and Martha was busy cleaning up the house. And she was getting the dishes, you know, all cleaned, and she was vacuuming the floors, and she was making sure that everything was in place, that the food was all ready. And so she's running around, getting everything done, and then Jesus comes, and she's still doing that, making sure the guests are attended to. And what's her younger sister doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening. And remember what Jesus said? You know, he he knew that what Martha was doing was important. But he said, Mary has chosen that which is better. And a lot of times, it's tough for us because we need to learn to distinguish between what is good and what is the best. And in that case, Martha chose the best. But you know, when you are that, you know, I know we're all on that journey to spiritual maturity. But one of the things that um, distinguishes somebody who is in that stage is peace. That their life exudes peace. If you take a look at Philippians 4, 6, Paul writes, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, pre- present your request to God. So what does he say? We're not to be anxious about what? Anything. Anything. Think of a problem that you're going through right now. 
Does that fall in anything? Yes. And so he says when we get to the level where we completely trust God, where we know him who is from the beginning, then we are going to experience this peace. Then our life, we won't be anxious. We're, we become to be tolerant. We become to learn to live with the unknown. Because up until then, you know, the unknown is a frightening thing. It's a scary thing if you're in a situation right now where things are happening in your life and you have no clue what the outcome's going to be. It's scary. Is the outcome going to be good? Is it going to be harmful? Is it going to be good for my family? Is it going to be bad for my family? We don't know, and it's a scary place to be. But those who place their trust in the Lord understand that God's plans for us are good, and that good's going to come out of whatever situation is. He's already seen it, and he's taken care of it. He's taken care of it. So we don't need to be anxious, because a lot of things we're anxious about, we can't control anyway. And it says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. You know, your life could be falling apart right now, but you could have peace. And others look at you and going, how could you do that? How could you have peace during this time? Jesus, how could you be sleeping on the boat when there's a storm and we're about to die? But he says, a peace which transcends all of our understanding will guard your hearts. And the words there is like soldiers protecting a fort or soldiers protecting a city. Will guard your hearts and mind. You know, God never promised us comfort. Never. God promised us peace. Now, is there anything wrong with comfort? Of course not. But there is something wrong with comfort if that becomes our goal. That becomes our destination. God promises us peace. And we know that throughout Scripture we see that God refines us. Just like gold or silver. You know, when gold and silver is you know, dug up from the ground, it's not those beautiful pieces of jewelry that you see. It's like dirty and it's ugly. And so what they do is they heat it up. And then all of that junk inside that gold rises to the top and they could skim it off. But a lot, you know, at first when they light it or heat it up, the lighter elements float to the top. Some of the heavier elements are still there. And so when the gold or silver cools down, that junk's still in there. Well, guess what? In order to get it out, what do you have to do? You have to heat it up again. And God does that over and over and over again to refine us. So God is using our trials, our tribulations to refine us. But you know what? The reason it's so important that we get to that maturity level because then we could experience that peace that God gives us when we trust in the one who has everything under control. And I remember my mother, you know, when um, she was uh, diagnosed with, you know, cancer. And it was an aggressive strain. And, um, you know, she did all she could. She went to the doctors and all of that. So she did her due diligence. But 
I never once heard her complain. You know, I, I never once saw her worried about this illness that she had. She never once said, okay, you're going to have to take care of that. She never once worried about her husband, you know, my father. She never worried about us as the kids. And, and even though she didn't tell us this, I knew that it was because of her faith. That when I, I remember when I was younger, I walked away from the faith. She never nagged me. She just prayed for me. And she was a woman of prayer. And she trusted her God. And she, she trusted that somehow, even though she wasn't going to be here, that her husband was, would be taken care of. And then the kids, myself, my brother, and my sister, we took care of my dad. It was hard. You know, she didn't have to tell us that, but we did. You know, I was going into seminary, and at that time I just quit my job, and I had school payments to pay off. I didn't have a whole lot of money. You know, my brother took care of me. You know, my younger brother took care of me, you know, during that time. See, my mom didn't have to worry. Because she trusted God that we somehow would be taken care of. And here I stand before you as a result of my mother's faith. But why was my mother able to have that faith? Why was my mother not, uh, didn't, why was my mother able not to worry about her family? Why was her, she not Worried about her life because she knew him who was from the beginning. And see, that's the goal. Now, some, you know, I know a lot of us aren't there yet, and that's okay because our goal here, as we're redefining our focus as Mission Valley, is to move you closer to Jesus Christ. And that's what we want for each one of you to be able to know him who's from the beginning. And that's what we're going to work to. And this is why it's so important. There are a lot of other reasons it's important to be, you know, mature in Christ. To understand this is our destination. And this is just one of the characteristics. is the fact that you have peace. So right now, if you're going through something and you don't have that peace, that's okay. You know, God's still there. God's still present to you, with you. And I just hope that encourages you to continue on in your journey of faith. So you do get to the point where you know him who is from the beginning. Let's pray. Father God, there are so many things that we worry about right now. Most of those things, Father, that we can't control. And Father, a lot of our anxiety comes from our desire to have comfort. And Father, you never ever promised us that, but you did promise us peace. And so, Father, for those of us right now who might be sitting on the fence, who might not be thinking about our faith or the importance of growing or the importance of being intentional about reading your scripture, about praying, about telling others about you, about sacrificing to you, Father, I pray that this would be a day where 
they say, okay, God, I'm, I want to be back on track. And Father, for those of us here who are further along in our journey, who could help those who are coming behind us, I pray a special pray, prayer and an anointment on them, Father, and just a spirit that you would place in each one of them that we have the responsibility to disciple, to mentor, to help those who are lost to get to their destination. Father, I know that some of us might feel that we don't have anything to give to anybody else, but Father, that's okay. We have our experiences with you. We have our limited knowledge of you, and we have faith, Father, that you could use us to mentor. So, Father, I really pray this morning that you would place it upon those of us who are further along in the journey to have that desire to be a discipler, to help somebody to be able to grow in their faith. Thank you, Father. In your son's name we pray. Amen.